Well, John Maxwell said leadership is influence. And the good news is everyone has influence. Today, I'm talking to a pastor, author, and a major influencer. His name is Pastor Mike Todd, and we're talking about how do you grow in your influence. This is the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, where we are very passionate about building leaders because we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better. If you're new with us, welcome. We have a very passionate leadership community, and we drop a new teaching on the first Thursday of every month. Sometimes we'll send you a bonus episode, and I would love to invite you to hit subscribe wherever you consume this content. That way, we'll drop the content to you each time we come out with new leadership teaching. If this is helpful to you, you can do a couple things for me. If you haven't written a review or rated the content wherever you consume it, that would mean the world to me. Also, I would love to invite you and thank those of you who are sharing on social media. I see so many of your posts where you're watching this with your team or where you're you're inviting other people to come and enjoy this content to help them grow in their leadership. Tag me if you do, I might see it and I might repost you. Now, we live in a world today where a lot of people wanna become famous. I think that's a little bit of a mistake. As a leader, we don't want fame. What we want is influence. Leadership is influence. I'm excited to interview a good friend of mine. His name is Pastor Mike Todd, and he has a lot of influence. He became the pastor of a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma called Transformation Church in 2015. In 2017, he had a message go massively viral, and he went from having about 2,000 Instagram followers to today over a million Instagram followers. Almost that many people also subscribe to his YouTube channel. He has a lot of influence. He has a lot of charisma. He has a lot to say. Today, we're talking about how to grow in your influence, how to become an influencer. Let's go now to Pastor Mike Todd. Hey, I've been excited about this for a long time. Welcome, Pastor Mike Todd. Hey, I am so excited to be here, Pastor Craig, man. This is going to be fun today. Hey, when this comes out, it'll be a little bit later than our recording. So right now we're still kind of stuck in home. How is your family doing in the middle of COVID-19, 2020? Man, we are doing good. We're surviving. Uh, I have three kids under the age of six. So um, keeping them in the house has been a challenge, one of the greatest leadership challenges of my entire life. Um, But my wife is a champion and uh, we have been enjoying more time together, building more memories and um, just trying to make the most of a unfortunate situation. So we're good over here in Tulsa. Well, I love your family and uh, I love really what's happening, the way you're able to influence so many people and your new book, Relationship Goals. My goodness gracious, I I would say it's flying off the shelves, but that wouldn't be quite accurate because the shelves aren't open everywhere, but it is flying online with uh, good reason. Congratulations for uh, this amazing book that will help uh, marriages and, and people preparing for marriage. It's super important. And I want to ask you a little bit more about the book at the end of our our uh, podcast. But what I'd like to talk to you about, Pastor Mike, is you would be what people would call an influencer. And uh, with you know a million Instagram followers, uh, about a million YouTube subscribers, your voice 
reaches all over the world. And a lot of people are aspiring to become an influencer. I want to talk about that today. What's interesting is uh, I read somewhere that they had surveyed, I think it was 12-year-olds, and the number one thing they wanted to be was famous. Like not a doctor, not a lawyer, not a pastor, not a pro athlete, but they wanted to be famous. And so I think a lot of people think that you know fame and influence are the same thing. I'm guessing you might have a different opinion. Can you, let's talk about you are an influence. You have tremendous influence. How would you define influence and why is it important in leadership? Well, I think influence and fame are actually very different, um, but people get them confused all the time. I think influence is having the ability to actually impact people's opinions and actions. Like you can get them to do something. Fame is just being known, being widely known. And I always say to our team and our staff, um, I said, what we don't want to do is just be known for something. We want to help people impact their lives to make moves to something. And and I, I told uh, one of the guys on my team, he's like, Pastor Mike, I don't understand. I said, let me break it down at the at the um, core version of it. I said, if you have influence, you help move other people. If you're famous, you want people to know you're making moves. Like mm-hmm. I'm moving, I'm moving. I want people to know that. And um, I really think in this day and age, because of social media, because of Instagram, because of Facebook, because of all of these different things, we have the ability now more than ever for to be known. But a lot of people um, um, misinterpret being known as being effective or impactful. And I think the greater, the one that lasts longer, the one that has legacy is when you impact positively other people's lives to help them make decisions and actions and form opinions that change the world around them. And um, yeah, that's one thing that I really wish and I really hope that people don't get caught up in, especially ones that have been mildly successful in whatever they're doing, because there's an allure that fame is going to produce for a long time and fame doesn't produce for a long time because there's things we're talking about today that uh, we weren't talking about three weeks ago that we won't be talking about three weeks from now. And But when you're impactful, when you add value to somebody's life, somebody's organization, somebody's um, family, that's something that can last and actually be a seed that's planted that will produce fruit for a very long time. That's, that's so good, Pastor Mike. And, and I'm learning from you about increasing influence. And I think it was John Maxwell who said it first. He said, leadership is influence. And yeah. as, as leaders, we need to recognize that. What's interesting, before you were influencing millions, you were influencing dozens, right? Yes, just sir. A, just yes, a few sir. years ago. And what I love about your story, I guess you would have been 27 when you took over Transformation mm-hmm. Church. Yes, sir. Right? Yeah. So as a young leader, you took over an organization that you didn't start. How did you build trust when you didn't have uh, 20 years of experience with you? And, and uh, t- t- tell us about that journey. So let me set the context for you, Pastor Craig. I'm taking over an organization that at the time had been going almost 16 years. The leader of the organization was an older white gentleman. And I think I need to bring that into context because there was just so many differences, so many stark differences between our leadership style. He was established, older, had built something. I was younger, more enthusiastic. There was all kinds of these different, just different contrast in our leadership. But what I found out is that 
um, people do not really um, care about who the leader is if they can trust the leader. No matter if you're 27 years old, 47 years old, 67 years old, no matter if you're a different ethnicity, no matter if you have a different background. And so some of the things that I really had to do um, to build leader is the first thing I had to do was kill my preferences and look at the people. And I think a lot of times um, I was leading a large young adult um, group at the time where, you know, especially when you're in doing anything with people that are around your same age, there are different cliquish things you can do and different um, uh, just ideas that you have. I literally, um, I called it, I killed the thing that was comfortable. So when I became the senior leader of our organization, that organization that was smaller, the sub-organization, I shut it down. And I did that on purpose because I had to kill what was my preference, what was easier for me to do, what was the, the um, kind of natural inclination to let people know that I wasn't going to lead them from a perspective of um, a youth. I was going to be their leader. And so I had to kill my preference the first thing that I do. The other thing that I had to do was I had to get to know people where they were. And I tried to find the connection factor of, and you can do this up or down. So if there's um, somebody that's watching and maybe you've hired a new person on your staff that's the same age as your child, and every time you see them, you're like, all I can see is my kid right here. Um, get to know the person. And when you get to know the person, you'll find out that there's so many different and so many connection spots that you could be able to relate. Um, a funny story I'll tell is the guy that actually is my um, security and assistant now. He's actually uh, close to me even in this um, as we're doing this interview right now. He had been at our organization for almost 15 years when I took over. He took me to Crackle Barrel and he told me, I don't know if you can lead me. Just straight up. He's an old school, uh, old, used to be a police officer. He just told me, I don't think you can lead me. I don't know if you can lead me and my family. I have a son that's almost your age and I have a daughter that is your age. And he said, but what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you an opportunity. And he gave me an opportunity and I said, with this opportunity, what I'm gonna promise you is I'm gonna be consistent. I'm gonna be stable. I'm gonna communicate and I'm gonna be one that will not be perfect. And this is one thing that I think that everybody needs to know. If you admit at the beginning of your leadership or to whoever you're trying to gain leadership with that you're not perfect, but you would progress, it goes a long way basically showing that you're gonna be authentic and you're gonna be humble, that you don't know everything, that everything has not, um, 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 you're not the end all and the be all of everything, but you're gonna continue to progress. And I told him that. And now now, um, almost four years later, he works He works closer to me than anybody. He left his other job. He now works with me. He's my security, travels with me all over the country. But it took, and he's twice my age. So the one thing that I want everybody to know is that it's going to take everybody being humble in the position that you are in to meet people on the level that they are at so you can form some type of connection. And then I think trust breeds um, an, uh, an ability to be able to lead people um, that may not be like you. That's so good. And and you really did. You you came in. I met some of your staff early on and they were old enough to be your mom or your dad. And you, you built trust. And I want to kind of highlight what you said, that you're going to be consistent and consistency builds trust. And you said you're going to communicate, and that's so important. I think one of the biggest mistakes as leaders we make is we just under-communicate. We told someone sometime, and we think they're going to believe it. And, and you know, if, if you're married and your wife told you seven years ago she loves you, that's not enough. You know, we need to hear it not all enough. the time. 
someone should write a book called, called Relationship Goals and put something like that in there, right? Hey. And, uh, I think somebody's so, working on that right now. I, th- I think so. It's and, and so the con- consistency, communication, the stability, and and essentially what you were describing it, to me. There's a big difference. There's a lot of people that are I call them me-centered leaders versus you-centered leaders. And yeah. it, you know, a me-centered leader is you're here to serve me, my vision, my goals, help me be successful. And what you're communicating is a you-centered leader, which is. I care about you. You're valuable to this organization. Because you're valuable, I'm going to communicate. Because you're valuable, I'm going to be consistent. Because you're valuable, it's not about me. I'm humble. So I think those are really, really, really strong points that any leader could learn from. Pastor Mike, one of the most common questions we get, and I I do get a lot of the questions that I I see them come in. One of the most common questions we get is something like this. I'm a younger leader, and I don't know how to influence up or I'm newer in the organization, I've got good ideas. I can't get my senior pastor to listen to me. I can't get my, um, you know, the CEO to listen to my ideas. I can't get my supervisor to listen to my ideas. What advice would you have uh, to influence up that would be helpful to our leaders who have great ideas but can't seem to get an audience? So the one thing I'm going to tell you is for anybody who is in that spot, I know exactly how you feel. I was there for years. I remember literally making whole presentations, 30 slides long and getting to the first slide and them telling me, nope, that's not going to work and shutting down the whole meeting. So anybody who's feeling that right now, I want you to know that there is hope for you. I think there's a couple of things that come to mind for me, Pastor Craig. Um, um, One of the things is that my generation and many times a lot of people, I don't wanna even just say my generation, just a lot of people, they don't wanna do the work until they know it's gonna be used. And I think that is one of the worst things that you can do is um, hold back what you have because you're not sure if it's going to be used. I think that a proactive spirit or a proactive thought process or a proactive um, um, um a proactive attitude is really what I want to say is something that is so important for a young leader to have. So, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to present this. They said, no, do not be discouraged. And this is the key that you have to understand. Don't take it personal. You don't know what that leader also is thinking about behind the scenes. They may have said no because of something else that they have going on. Not that your idea was bad, not that, um, it was, um, um, not useful, but maybe it was the wrong timing or maybe there was something else that was more pressing. And so I tell people all the time, take the idea, if it gets shot down, if you don't feel like you're having influence, go back again, be proactive. Do not wait to be asked because a lot of people get the attitude, oh, fine, they didn't do it next time. Well, I won't do anything else. If they, if they want me, they'll come find me. That is the quickest way to lose value in your organization and, and really be useless. And so one of the things that I encourage people is to be proactive. Don't take it personally. And then this is one that I love to tell people. I want you to always think that if it doesn't work here, it's making me better for there. If it doesn't work here, it's making me better for there. And this is what I'm saying. Every time we do something, every time we make a cre- some creative content or prepare a presentation or prepare a talk 
or work on something, if it does not get used in that time and that season, everything that you had to do to get prepared for that is still making you into the type of leader or in the type of um, asset that will be useful in another season. And a lot of people, when it comes time to shine, they are underdeveloped because they were waiting for somebody to give them the green light to, to, to be used or for their idea to be seen. And they stopped being proactive. And I told somebody this the other day, I said, I get paid now, not for what I do now, but for all of the years that I worked and it didn't get used, all of that preparation has now come back into my life in my value. And um, I just want people to, to know that helping wherever your organization is, helping right where you are, even if it's not getting used, is still doing great things for your leadership because it's teaching you how to handle conflict. It's teaching you how to deal with pride. It's teaching you how to deal with, well, maybe was I not clear enough or did I not say it the right way or could I could I have maybe miss something or am I working on something that's not a priority of the organization right now? And you're becoming better. You're getting sharpened at that moment. And many of my best leadership tools were, were, um, formed in seasons that I wasn't in when I needed them. They were formed in other seasons. And so I would just encourage every leader that you can lead up, but you're going to, again, have to be consistent. You're going to have to keep going back even when they say no, and you're going to have to be um, one of those people who is always prepared in season and out of season to bring energy, excitement, and joy to whatever is going on in the room. And I think that's one of the things that has really helped me in um, my maturation in leadership. So that's brilliant. In fact, I I would suggest that there's some leaders you just press stop rewind, go listen to that again, because that really is powerful, helpful, practical, applicable. One of the things you said that I like is you said, you know, don't take it personally. And then you started projecting what may be going on. Like the leader may have something else on her mind, or he may be distracted, or they may see things you don't see. And what that says is that you're assuming honor to that leader that matters so much, because that will help earn you the right to be heard in the future because if you're just sitting there going, my leader's stupid and they don't they don't know how good I am, they're gonna that's be able the to wrong feel thing. that. Everybody so, listening, that's wrong. Yeah, so your posture in assuming there might be more to the story is absolutely incredible because the truth is there might be more to the story. There might be five reasons that you don't know why that wasn't the right time, wasn't the right, isn't the right season, isn't the right idea. And if you don't respect and honor your leaders, it doesn't matter how brilliant you are, they're gonna smell it, sense it, and they're not gonna listen to you. So thank you for that advice. That's that's worth the whole podcast right there. I, 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 wanna, I want you to tell a little bit of your story because one of the things, and you said is so true, you, you, you were paying a price before you had the public um, influence. And that I knew you before, and that's what I, one of the many things I appreciate about you. Early in your leadership, maybe it was, how many years in did your messages go viral? Probably about two years. So about about two years, two years into it, you preached a uh, sermon series called Relationship Goals. Yep. And your, your new book is based on a lot of that content and more that you've added to it. Tell us yes, what happened to that and how that helped increase your influence. And knowing this isn't gonna happen to everybody, uh, on the tail of it, I wanna talk to you about 
What do you do with the influence now? Whatever level, how do we steward it? So tell us the story, and then I want to move into stewarding whatever influence you have. Okay, I'm going to give you the short version of the story. Um, we um, have been, when I started as uh, the lead pastor of the church, I felt very strongly that we needed to upgrade our cameras. I think I'd seen a life church uh, uh, uh TV broadcast and said, if one day we could ever have anything like that, we would be doing good. So um, we we upgraded our cameras. And um, when that happened, we just put it on YouTube. And probably 50 to 100 people would watch every week. Most of them were my mother, just like, <laughs> yeah, that's my baby. He's doing so good. And she'd send it to her friends. And that's it for almost uh, two years. And um we did this series called Relationship Goals, August 2017, um, after I came off of a sabbatical of just resting and rejuvenating. And um, when we did it, it felt good. It felt like it was a really good uh, series. It felt like everybody in Tulsa and our small church, our converted grocery store, um, that it impacted them and everybody felt good, but nothing happened for another four months. We put it up, the same hundred people, my mom and her friends watched, and that was it. December 2017, what ended up happening is I made some decisions to slow down. Our church had um, grown, our organization had grown, our influence had grown a, a little bit, and we thought we were doing great. Um, but I felt like there were some things getting out of balance. I was starting to strive for some things, S-T-R-I-V-E, instead of stride, S-T-R-I-D-E, which means to walk in long, decisive steps. And I felt like I'd gotten out of the pace that I was supposed to be in. And um, I decided to cut a few things. And when we cut those things, I thought, oh God, nothing is gonna happen good. Whatever momentum we did have is about to be lost. And um, to my surprise, um, about December uh, 22nd, 23rd, right before Christmas, um, a young lady who's not famous posted a 10-minute clip on Twitter. Um, and I didn't even have a Twitter account at the time, which tells you how crazy this story is. Um, and I did an example on the first series of relationship goals and 2 million people, Craig, watched it in 48 hours. And the um, real um, just astonishing thing about that is they saw the clip and they were like, where is this from? They started typing in Michael Todd relationship goals and we didn't have a good church website. I didn't have my own website. There was no michaeltodd.com, anything. So the only thing that pulled up on Google and Yahoo was YouTube. And so they went to YouTube and found this series we had done four months earlier. They watched it found out that there was another one. There was eight parts to this series and people started watching this like a Netflix documentary, sending it to all their friends. It was like crazy. And we went from um, 1,800 YouTube subscribers at the end of December to at the end of January, over 140,000 um, YouTube subscribers. And I'm sitting here looking at Instagram and I'm like, I'm growing 10,000 followers every day. I know Black Panther had just came out around that time. So I thought they thought I was Michael B. Jordan. <laughs> I thought Instagram had messed up. I thought something went wrong, um, but I wasn't going to tell them. And so, um, I mean, 10,000 Instagram followers and 
people um, commenting and liking. And I'm like, what is going on? And I found out, and this is the key that I want people to understand, that my season of faithfulness to make a decision two years earlier to be able to put uh, those those messages on YouTube, even if only 50 people were going to watch it, turned into a season of fruitfulness in this season. Because after they finished relationship goals, they found out we had 50 other series there that they could go and watch. And so people just started getting inundated in this positive content that was helping their lives and helping their families and helping their businesses. And um, it just took off from there. And it was one of those things that people started finding out and hearing the name. And then um, I popped up at a few um, um, pretty prominent leadership conferences that year and some big platforms. And it kind of cemented it um, that oh, this is something brand new. And um, where did this guy come from? He's out of nowhere. But really what it was, it was my faithfulness actually turning into fruitfulness and people being able to see what we had been doing the whole time. That's so good. Speaking of uh, leadership platforms, we're gonna be together in August teaching oh, at yes. the, the Global Leadership Summit and uh, Let's with go. Uh, Marcus Buckingham and Kaka, wow. one of the world's greatest soccer players and a ton of great business leaders. So we're looking forward to having you at the Global Leadership Summit. It's gonna be fun. But um, I want to I wrap back and, and talk about some things you said. You, you know, your, your faithfulness then led to your fruitfulness later on. And I think there'd be a lot of people right now that are, that are being faithful and don't see any kind of fruit. And I want to be real, real, real clear. And it's probably, probably pretty obvious, but not everybody's going to go viral. Most, most, yeah. pe- most people won't. And I've been at this for 24 years. I've never had something go viral like that. I don't have the social media buzz that, that you have. But what I want to say to the people where, where you are is that everyone has influence. What is leadership? Leadership is influence. And you don't need to have, you, you don't need to have a million followers on Instagram to have influence. It, don't don't even think that for a moment. Wherever you are, you want to be faithful and, and influence in that current situation. And so if you've got friends, you have influence. If you're in a small group, you have influence. If you're new on a job, you have influence. If you have three employees, you have influence. Wherever you are, you have influence. Uh, I'd like to talk about some of the things, Mike, that that detract from the influence where we might actually lose credibility or we might lose trust. If um, if I were gonna do a podcast on it, I'd probably call it the enemies of influence. I think yeah. there, there are a lot of people that probably unknowingly, unintentionally do some things that rob them of trust and influence. What would be a few things that come to your mind that uh, might make us vulnerable to, to continuing to grow in influence? I, I want to. I'm going to answer that question, but I want to double back and amen you on what you just said about being fruitful wherever you are. Um, I think the one thing that everybody needs to know is that every seed, no matter what it is, every seed has the ability to produce more inside of it. But it's cultivating that seed at the time, making sure it's watered, making sure that it's in the right soil, making sure that there are no weeds growing around it. It's that intentionality of faithfulness that produces the fruit in a different season. And I want to let you know that um, I, being on the uh, Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast for me is is a dream come true. Like when you started these podcasts, I was watching with less than 2,000 Instagram followers. And I, I want people to understand that that 
the the keys that I learned from this podcast took me from 2000 Instagram followers to 4000 Instagram followers and I and I want I want people to understand that cuz Instagram followers don't mean anything I'm just saying that wherever you are right now and I want you to hear that so clearly that there are things that your influence can be increased if you just take care of what is in your hand what is in front of you those two employees those two interns the the three um um businesses you have if you just take care of that thing, I promise you, fruitfulness is on the other side. And so to answer your questions about the enemies of influence, I think there's several. I think one of the main influence um, enemies of influence is inauthenticity. I think in today's age, people want to know that whoever they're buying into their brand, whoever they're supporting, whoever they're promoting, that that person or that business is authentic. And um, I see a lot of people, even in this time that we're in of um, not being around as many people and everybody having to do stuff through Zoom and um, FaceTime and all that other stuff, it, it is becoming very, very um, apparent who really believes in the vision of what they're doing and is authentic and who was doing it because it was uh, a good business plan or who was doing it because it it uh, made sense at the time. And people love authenticity. I think uh, some people are scared of how authentic I am at times, but um, <laughs> you scared I just me a decide- couple of times. Hey, listen, um, I think one of the things though, um, I think Pastor Steven has said this before and I've heard it in many different iterations. um, And you say it even in the tagline of um, the leadership podcast in a different way. But um, I don't think people relate to you for who you pretend to be. I believe that they buy into you or love you or support you or partner or align with you because of who you really are. And how do you say that, Pastor Craig, in, in, people, in the people leadership? Would, people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Yep. So I, I honestly think that if people would be a little more humble and realistic and authentic, their actual influence would grow because it's like somebody saying, oh, I have that problem too, or I dealt with that season of leadership too. And so I think that's a big thing. I think another thing um, that um, is an enemy of influence is just not doing what you say you're going to do. Um I think people need people would rather be surprised and you would give them over what they expected than you um, telling them you're going to do something and you not meeting that expectation. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are doing is they overpromise and underdeliver. And I found that um, that really takes a hit. Like people, just imagine if you went to Chick Fil A all the time and every time they told you they were out of. Uh, chicken sandwiches, you'd be like, ah, that is not a dependable, that takes away from the credibility. Some other organizations know about that. So I, I, I just know that, I just know that that's one thing that takes away from it. Um, I would give you one more, uh, an enemy of influence is um, being tired. And this may be a, a one that's a little different, but I can't give my best if I don't feel my best. And a lot of people come to um, sources of encouragement, influence, leadership, information, and they're expecting the same level of consistency all the time. And I fear that in this day and age where everybody now has a platform, that people sometimes feel the pressure to give so much content, give so many talks, to get up in front of their staff or their team and have a new inspiring something every time they get. But I don't think that is a sustainable pace. And 
um, I just think that a lot of leaders are tired, maybe not even physically, but mentally. You didn't even have enough time to read anything to gain anything else. And I think over time, this may not be an immediate thing, but I think over time, a lot of leaders become less potent because they're actually mentally and emotionally tired. And I think that um, their content or whatever they provide or the creative ideas that they bring are not as sharp and not as innovative and not as um, exciting as they once were because they're, whether they're putting the pressure on themselves or they're trying to keep up with somebody, they're, they're not resting enough to be able to recuperate and recreate to be able to give valuable content. So yeah. I think those are all enemies of influence. That's super helpful. And I, I want to I kind of highlight a couple of things you said, and I, I want to speak to our audience very directly and make sure it's really clear that title does not equal influence. You don't, need to, you don't need a title to have influence. And you know it. Some of you work for organizations where, you know, whoever has the title doesn't have as much influence as the person who's trustworthy or the person who cares. And I think that's so important to, to remember that, that you don't need a title to have influence. You also don't need to have a lot of followers. There, there are some people who have fans and people who watch what they do, but there are others that when you say something, people respond. And, yep. and it's, it's the trust that you build. It's caring about people. It's having integrity. Uh, it's, it's having a vision. It's, it's, having, something, it's having something to say. Uh, not just something to entertain, but something to say that does move people toward action. And you have all that. And so I, I would kind of consider those like the classics. Uh, I do think authenticity is more important today than it was 10 years ago. There was more yes. of a trust for authority in the past. And now there's almost a distrust of authority. Uh, people can smell fake. And if it doesn't matter how what your title is, doesn't matter how important you look, if people don't believe you, they won't follow you. So I think that's a little bit of a newer generation necessity. But what I want you to do, Pastor Mike, and I, I pick your brain about this all the time. So let's say those are those are classics of how okay. we grow an influence. But the year is 2020, and someone will be listening okay. in 2021, you know, and this this is influencing today, although the classic ingredients will probably never change. How we do it today is changing as we speak. Um, COVID-19, when we can't get out of the house, is changing how we communicate yeah. our message. What advice do you have for leaders today based on the current reality? How do we leverage influence um, along with the basic cores, but how do we do it in this day and age a little differently than we would have, say, three to five years ago? I think the, the thing that people really need to understand is technology is your friend right now. And anybody that's fighting technology still, um, you, you're, you're wasting your time and your energy right now. Because um, I told somebody this, I've had the um, opportunity to help coach a lot of leaders through this transition who may have been super successful in a different season and um, are really um, transitioning in this technology age. What I told them is, I said, if my daughter FaceTimes me that she learned to ride her bike that I've been teaching her and I wasn't there. And she FaceTimes and she says, daddy, look, the joy, the excitement, the, um, the level of a proud that I am as a father was not less real because I saw it over uh, a video screen. When I get home, the first thing I'm going to say to her is I'm so proud of you. I'm going to hug her. I'm actually going to stop at uh, Target and get a to-go pickup of one of her favorite things. You know what I'm saying? I, it, be, it was a real experience. And the one thing that I would encourage every leader is 
Figure out how to make the things that are real, that make your organization or your business um, um, a personable touch. Figure out how to make that happen in a technology space. Let me give you an example. Um, I kind of saw this. I didn't see the COVID-19 thing happen, but I was on the cusp of like, how do I connect with a large group of people, but more personally? So about three months ago, I bought another cell phone. And I got a, a a different number that was specifically for, I got permission from my wife, and then I got a number that was specifically to connect with people personally that um, buy into our brand and our organization. And I started going on Instagram Live and saying, hey, y'all, I'm going to call some people and I want to talk to you. I want to see how you're doing. I want to da-da-da. And when I tell you, um, Pastor Craig, that as I started doing that and people saw that there was an authentic connection through technology, but I was, I was only talking to five people, but 5,000 people were watching. They bought into that moment right there. And literally over the past month or something, 30,000 more people have given me their information to say, hey, if you ever call again, like call me. And what that did for my organization is it gave me the leverage to direct contact people who have bought into our brand. But how did I do that? Through personal connection. And, and that's one of the things that I would just encourage every leader to do, like sit down, make a list of the things that you feel like you do better than anybody else in person. Like in person, I can do this, that third, fourth. And then I dare you to stretch yourself to, to work through the tension of figuring out, is there any way that we could get the end user or somebody to feel that same way by leveraging technology? And if, if, if they can do that and grapple with that, because it's a hard thing to do, but if you can grapple with that and come out with two or three things that you feel like, hey, this, let me try this. It's going to put you into the future of how um, you connect and contact people because it's sad to say that we are not, though um, we're, we're praying and hoping that this um, pandemic is coming to an end and we're flattening the curve. It's still gonna take people a little while to have right. the trust to be able to do what they were doing before without thinking about it. And so, yes, there may be um, uh, a, a direct impact or uh, uh, what I call a, a core impact at this moment, but man, this could last for a little while. And how can you still grow and be more effective and touch the people that are a part of your brand and your organization? I think technology is your friend. Yep. Well, I love the way you're stewarding influence. You you have such a contagious personality and you have a message that is obviously touching hundreds of thousands and millions of people. So I applaud that. And again, I just kind of want to highlight to our, our um, leadership community that we're not seeking influence for our own benefit, but what we want to do is we want to add value to people's lives. And yeah. when, we, when we impact lives, when we add value, then the byproduct is influence. And that's what you did. You, you added enough value where people talked about it, and now the byproduct is you have influence. Then when you do, when your influence grows, stewarding it well really, really matters. There's a lot of temptations yeah. to misuse it. Yep. There's a lot of temptations to direct it for yourself. There's the temptation that it can, you can become narcissistic in how you start thinking about it. And it's, it's, um, some people think I wish I had influence. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with yes, it. Yes, sir. 
So yes, let's sir. just let's just add value to people's lives. Let's believe in others. Let's help make them better. Let's create contents and products and organizations that really help show that we care and and help improve the quality of people's lives and give them a message that transforms them. And then the byproduct is they will listen. And then when we have more people listening, then we really need to steward where we where we point them. Let's let's have a little bit of fun, and then I want to hear a bit about uh, relationship goals. Kind of a lightning okay. round. Uh, le- leadership books. You, you, when you're not writing uh, your own, yeah. what's your favorite leadership book? Right now, uh, my favorite leadership book is uh, Leadership Pain by Sam Chan. Yep, that one book. has given me a lot of wisdom uh, to navigate this season and ones before it. Yep, the difference between where you are and where you might be is the pain you're unwilling Jeez. to endure. I listened to him talk about increasing your pain threshold years ago and cried through it. Dr. Chan is brilliant. Do you have a favorite leadership quote? I would say, um, yeah, my favorite leadership quote is, um, if you're trying to be somebody else, one of you is irrelevant. Be <laughs> yourself. Very good. And um, I think that for me has has been a guide for me, some guardrails. So I, I really try to be myself. So we had a couple of workouts together and you're making oh some gains. Gosh. Favorite uh, favorite fitness tip? Workout with Craig Groeschel. There and, it is. Come on. <laughs> and, you, and you'll at least gain one muscle, okay? <laughs> Biggest leadership pet peeve. What Hold makes on. Mike Todd crazy? These, Hold on. No, stop. I got to tell these people. We were in Florida doing a leadership thing together and- I, I happened to go to the gym and then Pastor Craig walks in the gym. And he's like, let's walk, work out together. And he had me going from the floor to an upright position in one fatal swoop. And I promise you, I've never felt pain like this in my entire body. Like the, mo- what was that called? What, what, I don't, I don't you know. Have me doing? I don't know what that's called, but you did a great job. You lay on your back, you take two 20 pound dumbbells by your head and then you throw them toward your feet and you stand up. And you do that about 10 or 12 times, and then you do another round. And then you lay round. in the bed for the next and 24 then you, hours. And then you feel it the next couple of days. Yes, you did it. Yep. Uh, I did. What, what makes you crazy? Biggest leadership pet peeve? People not being proactive. There you like, go. I, get, get I, I can't stand it. Well, you're always real. What's a mistake you've made in your leadership recently that, uh, that you're willing to share? I can share all of them. Um, I'll share two. One is not listening to my wife about people's character. She's a reader. like, And I believe everybody has somebody around them that can kind of feel how people are that they're not putting off. And my wife told me something about somebody and I was like, no, and yes. And so that was a leadership mistake I made. And then, um, man, two Sundays ago, I was up. Uh, giving a talk in front of hundreds of thousands of people online. And I forgot the title to my message. And it was the funniest thing that has happened to me on a platform in a long time. Matter of fact, I'm going to put it up on Instagram or something. You can go back and watch it. But um, I made a leadership mistake, but I turned it around. And this is one thing that I need everybody to know. All leaders make tons of mistakes all the time. The thing is they have a quick um, comeback. And my comeback was to turn it around and admit in that moment, I messed that all up. And I laughed at myself and people started putting emojis and laughing in the thing. And so it kind of worked out for my good, but it is hilarious. And then my video team got a hold of it and they've put, they've roasted me a thousand times. So uh, it's well, I look forward to seeing that. Relationship Goals is out and it's selling yes, online, not off the shelves yet, but online. <laughs> tell us, uh, tell us about the book. 
So bottom line is, I think one of the greatest pandemics or epidemics in our world is people doing relationships um, that aren't good. And um, I have been raised around a lot of good relationships and a lot of bad relationships, but nobody ever really talked about it. I had one rule when I was young, like don't have sex before you're married. And that was not a, a all encompassing rule. And so I said, man, from the trials that me and my wife went through, from all of the counseling that I've done, I want to help people win in relationships. And so we wrote a book that's real, it's raw, it's talking about marriage, sex, and dating. And um, it's something that no matter if you're single right now, you're married, you're divorced, it's complicated, you're a stalker, everybody needs to get this book. Um, and it'll help you aim at the right goals in relationship. And so we're just excited to, again, help people to win in relationships. Well, we, we don't have any stalkers on uh, in this podcast. We, we kick them out, but we do have a lot of people that need help in their relationships. And thank you for your wisdom. You and Natalie are a great example. And uh, we will put the link in the, uh, in the leader guide to your book. It's called Relationship Goals. You can get it on Amazon or anywhere online. And hopefully in Mardell and Barnes and Nobles and Hobby Lobby and places like that in, uh, in weeks to come. Pastor Mike, thank you for your friendship. Thanks for your leadership. Right. We, uh, we love transformation. Transformation Nation is impacting so many yeah. people. And uh, thank you for stewarding your leadership well. Pastor Craig, man, thank you for this opportunity. You have been one. I have a picture. We probably should put it in the 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 uh, leadership on YouTube, um, but a picture of you um, when I had no influence barely in um, a sphere outside of my um, church that you took time, take 10, 15 minutes, you came to the back of the room and you just talked to me and you encouraged me through the leadership that I was, um, the leadership lead I was facing at the time. And it really, really encouraged me. I couldn't have given you anything or done anything for you, but you did that for me. And now to see our relationship be reciprocal is awesome. Um, so I just want to thank you and Amy and the whole Groeschel um, family. You guys are amazing, man. We well, love you. Th thank you. And I encourage uh, all of our audience to, to uh, watch Pastor Mike's messages, uh, subscribe to his uh, YouTube channel, follow him wherever he is, and join me at the Global Leadership Summit. We'll be broadcasting to hundreds of different locations and streaming online the first week of August. If you're new to the podcast, man, it would mean the world to me if you would uh, post about it, invite your friends, also subscribe to it wherever you watch the content, write a review, rate it, that helps get the exposure out. And uh, Pastor Mike talked about being authentic, and that's what we talk about here. As a leader, we feel a lot of pressure, and I hope that nobody feels discouraged, like, why, don't, why didn't my message go viral? Why don't I have tens of thousands of whatever, man, just be yourself right where you are, show up, have confidence, influence the people that are within your sphere of influence today, do it well, do it with integrity, plant seeds, be faithfulness and watch the fruitfulness come um, in years to come as you are faithful. We love to say it all the time. You can help me with it, Pastor Mike. Hey, show up, be yourself because people would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's than always- a leader that's always right. Bring it on. Come on. Thank you for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. If you wanna go even deeper into this episode and get the leadership guide or show notes, you can go to life.church slash leadership podcast. You can also sign up to have that information delivered straight to your inbox every month. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes and share with your friends on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast.